0: Hi everybody, Um, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome back to another episode of Nice to Meet Me. Today I am here with one of my really close friends, Abner. She is uh, a cosmetology student, one of the bravest and strongest people I know, and you'll learn about why in this episode. Um, And she is a fierce trans woman who is on the journey of rediscovering herself in this new era of her life. For this episode, we will be celebrating pride, and I thought, what a better way to celebrate than to give a platform to those voices who are fighting for their right to exist and their basic human rights, especially in today's society. So I am so excited, Abner, that you're here with us. I know we've been talking about this for a while now, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I mean, we were talking literally for hours before even recording this episode, and not only did I like learn so much, but I'm just so appreciative of your story and the fire and passion that you have in you. To stand up for what you believe in, stand up for your rights, stand up for other people, um, and really make an impact and a difference by sharing your story. So, welcome to Nice to Meet Me. Hi,
1: everyone. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Um, I'm Abner. Nice to meet you.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I mean, you can share like how we met just to kind of get us, you know, a little warmed up and then we can go into the rest of our conversation. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit. Okay.
1: Um, so of course, Isa, we know each other from when we were Jehovah witnesses, which... cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is not a shout out, but definitely, definitely a humble beginning. So yes. Um, we kind of met in the church space and we hung out here and there and with time we've kind of just kept contact and now we're here.
0: Yeah. Um, um, so how about we just jump right into it? I mean, it, it's going to be a very meaty episode. I, I don't know what other word to use. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right I'm word, Like Let's
1: like... say we have a few things to discuss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but
0: I think you guys that are listening are just gonna listen to this and I just have a whole new understanding um which I love so let's get started um I want to talk a little bit well throughout the episode I want to talk about like your your journey and your timeline from childhood to today so let's start with your childhood can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up um and I know there was a very formative event kind of where you express that that's where you feel like your life started. Um, So can you tell us about that? Of
1: course. So um, when I was young at the age of four, I was in a car accident where my mother passed. Um, During that time, of course, I lost a mother. My family lost, you know, my father lost his wife. My siblings lost their mom as well. And at the end of the day, that really affected my life in terms of I was without one parent, that I think is very crucial for a child. And um, because of that, I was able to kind of branch out in terms of the people we knew from church took care of me. And they were families of our friends, um, friends of our family, yeah. excuse me, <laughs> that um, my dad knew. And so, like, I basically was, you know, at a home Monday through Friday was dropped off by my dad they took us to school and then he would pick us up and take us home at the end of the day
0: and it was a different house a different family every day of the week right
1: yes so we had different friends of the family that would kind of like take turns um so with that time you know i was used to like being at different people's houses going up and like just i kind of had to learn that like there were certain rules and guidelines at everyone's household per se so like i kind of had you know, to adjust as needed to the home I was in. And so that, you know, did make me feel at times like I was neglected more so because, you know, when I was at this house, I had to act a certain way or meet a certain standard that is different of who I actually am. Yeah. So it was very different.
0: <laughs> we touched a little bit about, or we talked before this a little bit about, um, you know, Growing up in a different environment every single day and not really like Having something of your own, you know, like going home and like being with your own family and How that sort of triggers like a survival mode? I mean just in the sense as an example of like your meals can we talk a little bit about Some like that. I mean on the surface. It seems something like very simple But I know you were telling me that that had a really huge effect on you. The fact that you rotated houses every day.
1: Yes. So definitely every house that I went to, um, the mom, you know, had their own style of cooking, their own choices. So like certain homes, they would eat very healthy, very organic foods and certain homes would eat kind of like a little bit more greasier fast food and like things that, you know, I just wasn't really used to. And so I did develop an eating disorder due to that. Um, I kind of just more so didn't eat at their houses. And if I went to school, like sometimes, you know, school lunch and breakfast isn't the best either. Um, So I would most of the time just not eat, you know, breakfast or lunch, Monday through Friday. And then when I would get home to have dinner, like I would just eat one meal a day. So definitely having that kind of schedule um, impacted my eating habits. And due to that, I'm a very picky eater. So now moving forward, um, I kind of just, you know, try to eat more often and more consistently to combat that.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, and then I know that you mentioned as well that you felt very like dismissed and neglected. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on that?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I again am aware that when I was being taken care of by these families, you know, I'm very grateful that they took the time to do so, but at the same time, um, there was a clear difference between their children and me. I understand that, like, I was not exactly a part of their family. I was more so just someone that was in a situation where, you know, I lost my mom, my dad had to work. So I felt like they had pity for me. They were just doing it because they were, you know, being helpful, and that's great. But it didn't feel genuine at times like it was coming from a place of love
0: did you feel like you were like a burden essentially
1: yes so it kind of felt like i was getting in the way of you know their day-to-day life or that day of the week that i was at that particular house you know they just did things differently you know what i mean yeah Yeah.
0: i mean that sucks i mean undoubtedly i'm sure that had like an effect on your mental health like um (laughs) Can you, I I also want to get into, um, coming into your sexual, sexual, sexuality as a child. And I don't mean this like in a perverted way. I know anytime that sexuality and child is like mentioned in the same sentence, some people get the ick, but I mean, let's get real. Like, I think we all start to develop that sexual identity when we're what, like, seven eight years old like when we have our first crush and um just stuff like that so like can you tell us a little bit about how you started discovering yourself as a child and like coming to terms with your sexuality and what that experience was like for you
1: of course so i definitely like was found at times you know playing in the closet with makeup hair not in the clothing. closet <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Definitely, like there were times <laughs> where like I was wearing, you know, a dress or I was wearing heels. I would like to play with Barbies. and I was told like that that was not normal that those are things that like a boy that age shouldn't play with. And so either you know, they would kind of just dismiss it or they would straight up tell me, like, you know, growing up as a Jehovah witness, you know, that's not their belief. They more so want, you know, a boy to do boy things like playing with a car or I don't really Outside, know like with sports yeah. with a car, like or with a soccer ball or something like that. And it really wasn't something that I wanted to do. Like I um, remember in the fourth grade, we had a substitute teacher. And when I tell you he was one of the finest man that I've ever seen, like he played the guitar. He spoke English and Spanish, so he was Latino. Um, so I definitely like always knew that I had an attraction towards guys and men, um, from a young age. And I always expressed my femininity as well.
0: Okay. So you knew like pretty early on, um, you know, about that your sexuality. Different. Yeah. <laughs> that you were different. Um, when did you actually come out and like, when did you like accept that for yourself? Because I know that there's like a difference between like Kind like as a kid, like you kind of know, but because you've grown up in this restrictive environment where like, no, that's not right. No, you know, like that, that's not what you're supposed to be. You don't always necessarily accept that part of yourself right away. So when did you accept that part of yourself? And then how long did it take you to come out um, as that part? You know to everyone else and tell us a little bit about like your coming out experience definitely so with
1: my family i definitely like around the eighth grade was when i would say i officially came out to my dad and it was a different experience because of course like your friends is one thing and that more so was like everyone kind of knew and i say that because like fifth and sixth grade were the years of school that like I was bullied the most and was called slurs or like, you know, certain words were used towards me that one, a child that age doesn't know what they mean. And two, I never noticed those things about myself until someone kind of like called me out for it. So once I realized, okay, well, you know, I don't like to play with the other guys outside and I don't really like, you know, look at girls the way that they do. I understood that, you know, I wasn't straight. And I didn't know what I was until like seventh or eighth grade when I had my first boyfriends and I did come out to my dad.
0: Boyfriends, plural. Because <laughs> she was pulling multiple, okay.
1: I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I don't kiss and tell, but definitely like I, you know, experienced, you know, here and there a few things that made me understand that I definitely liked boys and I didn't like girls. So it was
0: like around that age, that way you accepted it for yourself.
1: Right. And then I came out to my dad officially in the eighth grade, which, um, you know, as a Jehovah witness, he did not agree with, you know, that lifestyle. And he did express those feelings towards me, letting me know that, you know, this is what the Bible thinks, which as we know, it's an abomination in the Bible, like by God, that's what the Bible says. Allegedly
0: because or so they say, (laughs) right.
1: But, um, you know, those are the thoughts that those people have. And by those people, I mean, religious people. So, um, I personally wanted to live my life the way that I wanted to. And even though he did not agree, here we are.
0: (laughs) Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with your dad, because I know that has been a huge factor in your life. Um, either just the relationship with your dad or lack thereof. So can you tell us a little bit, or tell us more about how that played out after you came out to him and like everything that happened after?
1: Okay, so with my dad in our relationship, because he is a religious person and he has those Jehovah witness beliefs, Um, definitely he read me the Bible and kind of gave me his input that, you know, it's not a lifestyle that he agrees with. And he even expressed to me that, you know, when he had children, he wanted, you know, grandchildren as well. That was kind of an expectation that he had of me. And I guess when I came out to him, he felt that I was not going to meet that expectation, but... I mean, as we know, adoption is an option. Surrogacy is an option. So I just thought it was a very selfish thought for a parent to have because at the end of the day, like in middle school, that's not even something that we're thinking about.
0: And then I, from what you've shared with me, I think it's pretty safe to say that he wasn't and hasn't been supportive in any way whatsoever of Correct. you in your life, right?
1: Correct.
0: You don't talk to your dad
1: no it's been over i want to say two years now since i last spoke to him in 2021 um even then it wasn't a long conversation but i saw him at my brother's wedding which is the only reason why i saw him um so i definitely don't keep that connection as i agree that if you know you're not wanted in a space even if it's with family You need to take some time to separate yourself and understand that it's okay and find those that do love you and surround yourself with those people.
0: Yeah. Um, How did that affect your mental health? So not just like your dad, like the stuff with your dad, but also like everything else that was going on in your life. Like you said, you're getting bullied at this point. Um, You're, you know, struggling basically with your identity. Is that... A safe thing to like a a good way to put it yes definitely so I
1: was going through an experience you know teenage years is when you go through your puberty everyone's gossiping and talking about the trends and what's going on so like during this time you know in the fifth grade I did have my first suicide attempt at my elementary school which fifth
0: grade I mean how old are you in fifth grade
1: I would assume are are you like 11, 12? I think maybe like 10.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. I wouldn't know
1: like the actual age because it's been so long I mean, long that's since, so but...
0: like impactful, like a suicide attempt at 10, 11 years old. Like what, what led you to that?
1: So during that time, I definitely, like I mentioned, felt neglected and felt dismissed by certain family members, um, as well as the people who- The caretaker were taking care of me. And so like it just felt like anyone who I did need or who was supposed to support me was not. And I'm not saying they didn't, you know, support me in terms of like doing the bare minimum, which they did do like taking me to school, offering me breakfast, offering me lunch. However, like there's certain things a child needs. Love and support are definitely one of them, and having someone to talk to about, you know, I lost a mother at the age of four in a car accident that I was in with them. Um, I lost my mom and I lost two other women who I knew, they were not family of mine, but they were, you know, people in the church. And so-
0: And it was a traumatic accident. I remember when, I remember when like, when it happened, it wasn't just like a, I mean, fuck. (laughs) It
1: definitely is a moment in my life that I've kind of I wouldn't say move past because I do definitely still think about it. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was impactful like you. I saw three people pass in front of me and I was the only survivor from that point. And I just felt so isolated in that moment and also everywhere else after. So just dealing with the same thing over and over again kind of pushed me over the edge. And thankfully, that first attempt, you know, was not successful, which is why I'm still here.
0: So did your dad know about this attempt? Like, did he find out?
1: Yes. So I did have one of my school friends, you know, bring this to the attention of a teacher and said teacher addressed it with me. They asked me, you know, are you attempting to harm harm yourself? And so, you know, this led, you know, me going to the counselor to kind of discuss my mental health. And, you know, at that point when I discussed it with the school counselor, they did inform me that, you know, legally they are required to contact, you know, like the proper authorities, CPS maybe, to explain to them like what's going on. Um, On top of that, she did call my dad and she had him come to the school. So he had to leave, I'm assuming work at that time. And he came to school, I guess spoke to her and she explained to him the situation. And then um, my dad ended up taking me home for the rest of that day. But I do remember it was like super, super vague. It was like, don't do that again. We went to get McDonald's and then we went home and just never addressed it again.
0: Wow, Um, man that's so tough to like listen to, I mean like I just want to hug fifth grade old you and tell her like, I don't know, I don't even know, (laughs) you know, just like, wow I'm so sorry that you went through that, Um, I'm so grateful that you're here honestly and just you're such a fighter and I I mean I've told you a thousand (laughs) times like I admire you so much. Um, I know that we talked about, you know, this is around like what, like 2016 ish kind of, or is that like later? Yes. So
1: towards eighth grade, like was when I also started to wear makeup to school. Uh Um, so like eighth grade to freshman year that like 2016, like YouTube culture was such a trendy thing. Yeah, like, so
0: things kind of appeared to start taking a turn in more of a positive way, right? Like, yes, yes this <laughs> way. after fifth grade, which was rough to say the least. Yes, so after fifth
1: grade, you know, obviously like seventh and eighth grade, we also had the self-harm trends where people would either hurt themselves, in different ways. And, you know, I did partake in certain ways, um, which I believe my dad was aware about, but he just never really addressed with me. Um, but thankfully, you know, thanks to the YouTube culture that came around that time, I found something that I could put my time into and kind of escape, you know, the reality that I was living. And so watching those YouTube videos, connecting with the person on the screen and watching them do their makeup or, you know, get ready with me, like those type of videos just really helped me to understand that, you know, life happens, but you can still make something out of it. So like they would talk about their life and I kind of started to do my makeup too because of that. And it was just a way out that I Yeah. Loved.
0: So, at, at this point in life, you know, you're getting to know yourself a little bit more. I want to say things are kind of positive. Um, uh, thank you, smoky eyes and thick brows <laughs> and skinny jeans. Uh, but speaking of skinny jeans, let's talk about skinny jeans. I know you have a story about that. And just when we thought things were looking up, I mean, what happens next?
1: So, of course, everyone knows once the new school year comes around, everybody goes out and buys like new clothes, we get clothing for the upcoming school year, and it always makes you feel great to wear something that you're comfortable in that matches your style and that lets you express yourself in whatever way you choose. So around that time, you know, skinny jeans were definitely a trend. And so like, I remember going to Old Navy to get some more jeans with my dad. And you know, there's definitely like different styles and cuts for jeans, which of skinny jeans are like the slimmest cut. And I remember my dad did not particularly like these type of jeans. So he had mentioned to me that, If I wanted to get jeans, I would have to get them, you know, in either like a straight or boot cut style, which I personally just did not feel comfortable wearing those type of jeans because I didn't want to wear something that didn't feel like me. So he did tell me that, you know, skinny jeans are for girls, even though they are in the men's section as well. (laughs) But, you know, At the end of the the day we basically left old navy and i did not purchase any jeans that day and i told my dad like if i'm not gonna get the jeans that i want to wear and i don't get to express myself the way i want to express myself then i'm just not gonna buy jeans and i'll keep using either the old ones or i'm not gonna go to school if i don't have anything to wear
0: yeah and what did he tell you
1: so he did you know eventually Like I just we kept going back and forth until we got home and I eventually like cried because like it was a huge deal to me that like something as simple as pants. Like I can't choose what kind of pants I want to wear on my body to school.
0: Yeah. And like on the surface to some people might just think like, oh, you're a teenager just throwing a tantrum. But for you, it was like it was personal about the principal and like so much more than just the skinny jeans. Right. It was
1: more so like my sense of expression. I was trying to express, you know, obviously my femininity and I was not able to do so. So I remember this was the last time that I cried, you know, to my dad and told him, I want to wear skinny jeans. Like these are the type of pants that fit me as a person. And I remember he whooped me and that was one of the last times that he did, and I did not purchase jeans that year.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's talk about... um, So I know that you mentioned that you were watching like YouTube beauty videos, and who wasn't at that time? (laughs) So this is like when you started doing your makeup, right? And like going into like your makeup artistry phase and and all that, which by the way, you still do makeup and it's perfect (laughs) every time. So um tell me about like that like discovering that part of yourself and I keep going back to your dad because like this was your life at the moment you know like you were living with him and like in his household so I'm sure that a lot of like if skinny jeans jeans didn't fly I'm sure wearing makeup didn't fly either so what was that like you know exploring that part of yourself and your interests and being in a household where it was not okay. So like I mentioned to me, jeans
1: were, it was never just pants. It was about self-expression. I was just trying to be, you know, the person I wanted to be and when that was taken away from me, I looked towards makeup as, you know, the next form of expressing myself. So, you know, if you want to be really fierce that day, you can wear a smoky eye. Or if you want to be more natural, you know, you can do a little soft cut crease with a wing. And <laughs> Oh, you know... not the cut crease! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 2016, that was the vibe. Like
0: Man, I- honestly, I can't wait for 2016 to make a comeback.
1: <laughs> yeah, this clean girl aesthetic... It's great, but we need to move past it. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a minute. And so with makeup, I definitely joined um, cosmetology classes in my high school. Like junior year was when I had that opportunity. You know, high school, they kind of prepare you for life. and that's something that I've always wanted to do. I loved all things beauty. And I think that there's so many ways you can express yourself. So makeup was definitely one of those things for me. And with that being said, my junior year, I found out that at my school particularly, it was against the dress code for boys to wear makeup. So I remember being pulled aside during lunch, like in front of everyone by an assistant principal, like they came up to me and were like, you're Garcia, right? Which is my last name. So I said, yes. And then they told me like, hey, one of the other assistant principals, like." needs to speak to you so they radioed and were like hey i'm gonna get something taken care of but i'm sending garcia over your way um who was the one that
0: not who would not not the one who asked you are you a garcia who was the one that wanted to talk to you
1: so dr taylor was my assistant principal and that's why that's who they were sending me to um and so when i went over to him it was him and it was miss green one of the teachers at my high school sorry one of the assistant principals as well at my high school so they both kind of addressed me you know in the lunchroom in a corner but they basically gave me an option so they informed me that you know i should already know it's against the dress code but this was junior year right you've
0: already been wearing makeup to school
1: correct so i've been wearing makeup to school like since eighth and ninth grade that's really when I started to like you know do my eyebrows wear mascara do highlight like those like little things, things but, but yeah eventually grew into more so um and so I remember her you know expressing to me that like this is against the dress code and I was letting them know that so I have been wearing makeup to the same district that I've gone to from elementary to graduation you know that since my eighth grade year, I've been wearing makeup. So like we're three, four years in like me in this district. And now I'm being told that it's against the dress code. It just didn't make sense. So I'm like, either we're not doing, you know, our job like we were supposed to since the eighth grade um, or we just chose to ignore it because we know that it's not a huge issue. However, they ended up giving me an option, which was to take off my makeup or to go to ISS. And so when I was giving this option, I explained to them that, you know, I wake up at 4 a.m. for school to do my skincare, to do my makeup, that I spend money on, that I spend time and product on. I'm not just going to wipe it off because I worked hard to look like this (laughs) so with that being said there was only like two periods left in the day anyway and so i ended up you know letting them know okay well we can go to iss because i'm not going to take it off
0: and that's in school suspension right like
1: yes so iss is in school suspension so i remember miss green walked me over to a room with like a few other kids who i'm not sure like why they were there but they just you know sit you in a room you're not allowed to talk be on your phone like you get your assignments and you do them and that's pretty much it until, you know, the day is over. And so I remember, like, I just felt so ashamed that this was even happening. Like the fact that we got to that point, um, I remember breaking down in front of whatever teacher they had assigned to the room. And I asked them if I could talk to my counselor and they told me that there was nothing that they could do for me.
0: Oh my God.
1: So those words in that, and time. I bet
0: you they said it in a rude tone too, because ISS teachers or whoever, like whatever they're, <laughs> they think they're like God or something. Yeah, like as far as like them being rude and like, I was an ISS once. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember what for, but wow i mean that just feels like it's so out of left field i mean you've been wearing makeup and that's why i asked you like who wanted to talk to you because i wanted to see if it was like some petty like guy who like felt uncomfortable and i'm in quotation marks saying that um but you told me it was like both like a guy and a girl right like yes so it was
1: those two particular assistant principals that had that conversation with me um of course like i really don't know who may have brought it up but you know they were the ones who addressed it with me and from that point i ended up making a petition
0: wait 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 this is my favorite part of your story because you guys are not ready for what happens next and i always tell abner that i mean this is such a huge accomplishment Um, Let me just say she was on the news. (laughs) But yeah, tell us more about what happened.
1: So because of this situation, like it just did not sit right with me as a person. And like for my community, queer people and queer spaces like this is a, a school is a place for education. What I have on my face does not hinder my education, especially being in cosmetology classes. I'm here for beauty. That's what I'm doing. That was my career. So I was just so confused as to why I could not. So like I mentioned, I ended up you know, talking to one of my friends who was older than me at the time, and she helped me develop a petition that we can use off of change.org. Um, We got thousands and thousands of signatures from students, teachers, just people from the community and all around that just did not agree with this. It was a topic on Facebook. And like you mentioned, I did have an interview with KHOU Channel 11 here in Houston. Um, So thanks to them, I had the opportunity to bring this to attention of the superintendent. I did email them as well. Um, So I remember like my principal talked to me about it. Um, I did have a meeting with my superintendent and his assistant, and we basically developed a plan. So what is it that we're trying to accomplish here, which obviously is a change in the dress code. At the time it was 2019, 2018 roughly. So I think it was, you know, I thought we had established already that it's okay for guys to wear makeup, but I guess we just had to make it official.
0: (laughs) I mean, how awesome. And so like, you can literally say like you reformed the district dress code Yes, definitely.
1: So I worked with the superintendent along with teachers, um, parents and students from each high school. Um, And we all grouped together in a span of time of months, but we met met and made these changes to the dress code to be more inclusive. Aside from just makeup, it was also um, earrings. Guys were not allowed to wear earrings either. Um, men were not allowed to have facial hair either. It was just not allowed. And so there was just so many things in there that were outdated, as I mentioned in my interview as well. Like it's just we wanted to allow people, and I say we because it was me and my friends. It wasn't just me. We wanted you know everyone to be able to express themselves because you just never know. And having that opportunity is great for inclusivity.
0: Yeah. And this like affects not just like your peers at that time, but it affects like everyone who came after you, all the students, all the queer students who come after you who wanted to wear or want to wear makeup. And like now they're able to do so. I mean, talk about advocacy and change. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm so proud of you for that. Um, Okay. So I want to talk to you going back to well, actually, no. Let's stay on. You know, you mentioned your friends and how they helped you um, throughout this process. Talk to me about like finding your community because we know that at home things are not going well. Um, needless to say, the religion is obviously like not a safe <laughs> space either. Um, so, where did you find your community? So, definitely with
1: school friends, but also with some of my teachers, um, both in middle school and in high school. I had teachers who were a part of the queer community. And I just really, really loved and appreciated being in those classes and having them as my teachers because it just gave me the idea that although in in that time I wasn't accepted at home or at school, Before I changed the dress code, Um, you know, they were the ones who were there to support me, like even during the changing of the dress code, they were telling me like, you're doing great things, like keep going. They kept motivating me to push for change, to be the person that I want to be, because I mean, now I know that I'm trans, but at the time I didn't. So I just wanted, like, like you mentioned, to allow everyone else after me to create that community with those teachers and also have the opportunity to express themselves however they choose
0: and feel like it's okay and not feel like they're doing something wrong that's so important um so i mean that that's i'm so happy that you found a support system and you know your friends and your teachers but let's go back to things at home at this point you know after you've had this huge like success and accomplishment. I mean, how are things with your dad? Did you tell him? So my dad
1: was out of town when this happened, um, when I got you know, the in-school suspension that day. And when I did the interview and was on TV, he was not at home. Um, however, when he did return, um, I think he was out of town for work purposes. But the first thing he told me was, I need to talk to you. And so, I, so he had
0: already seen the interview.
1: Yes. So my heart dropped because okay. obviously I'm aware of the accomplishment that had just happened. And yeah. I just knew that it was coming. And what a way
0: to like rob you of your happiness.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he definitely like addressed it with me and just let me know that. Someone from oh, the, the, cult, church. <laughs> the cult, the <laughs> cult from the Jehovah Witnesses church, had called him and told him, "Like I'm watching your son on TV." Do you know right who now. it was? I have no idea.
0: But oh, whoever that know. was, so bad. fuck you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, I, I think I have like ideas. Like I top, the only three thing top is, people come to mind, and all I have to say is, fuck you
1: it was no one from the spanish congregation because oh, really? it was an english channel so i know they were oh. watching it had to have been someone from the english congregations or maybe it was no who, who i'm knows?
0: pretty sure it was someone from like the Spanish.
1: either way it was someone who was not minding their business
0: yeah <laughs> so that's we... religion for you <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we did have this conversation of course and i was just devastated that I didn't even get the opportunity to have that conversation with him first. I knew that he was not in town. Um, Unrelated, but related. I didn't have a phone at the time. So I was not able to text my dad and say like, hey, this just happened in case you see me on TV. So that's not my fault. That was his choice to make. So he found out by other means and I addressed it with him. I remember he took out a trash bag and he looked at me dead serious and was like, I need you to put all of your makeup in this bag because we're done. Oh my god. We're done. And so at first I do remember there was a moment where I hesitated a, a second where I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to allow this this is who I want to be. I'm in cosmetology classes, like I obviously, it didn't happen immediately. The change of the dress code, it went into effect my senior year. So this was more so like spring break before junior year ended. And I remember it was like a Sunday before we were supposed to go back to school on Monday from spring break. And so after um, my dad, took away my makeup, you know, I didn't have really like a way to express myself. So the next thing that I did was dye my hair. I decided that, you know, I can't wear the clothes I wanna wear. I can't wear makeup like I want to wear. So I'm gonna change my hair. I have black hair naturally. And I went full platinum, ash blonde. I bought all of the products. I did it myself. Bleached three times, toned twice. Frank were... Ocean vibes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was definitely. Wait, he has blonde hair, right? At one point? I, I don't know if did. currently,
1: but he does I have think at one point he an did. album. I think it's called Blonde. <laughs> oh,
0: maybe that's what I'm thinking
1: about. Oh, embarrassing. <laughs> um, but definitely I changed my hair color because, again, I'm still trying to express myself and be who I want to be. And because all of my other means were taken from me, I decided to change my hair color. Um, However, once my dad saw me with said hair color, he also did not approve. And again, that that more so was around the spring break time, going back to school that Sunday night um, of my junior year, he told me, so I'm gonna give you an option. We're gonna go to the store Keep in mind that Sunday night, like, your Sally's local stores are closed. So this would have been at, like, a Walmart or whatever is available 24-7. And he was telling me, like, we're either going to dye your hair black again, or you can grab your things and get out. This is my house. You do not do whatever you want to do. There are rules in place, and you need to follow them.
0: Another fork in the road. So what did you do?
1: So, of course, like you know, all Mexican and Hispanic households have that belief that, you know, it's their home and we have to follow their rules. But at that point, you know, like I did with jeans, I stood up for myself. Like I did with the dress code, I stood up for myself. And in that moment, I was not going to fold. I told him, I'm gonna get my things and I'm going to go. If this is how like we're gonna do things, I just cannot continue to be here. And so he re- he was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. Okay. And so I remember I grabbed my school backpack because again, I was supposed to go back to school that following Monday. Um, I grabbed a blanket and then I just grabbed whatever I could carry that, you know, was needed. And so I, in that moment, I really didn't know where to go, what I was going to do, like those things. I kind of just, you know, did it because I wanted to stand up for myself and that's all I was thinking about. So in our neighborhood, I had a friend, her name is Cassandra, so she's listening, shout out to you, I love you. Um, She lived a few streets down from me. And so when this happened, I remember I like walked, it was super dark, it was late at night. Um, I was pulling up or walking, excuse me, (laughs) to her driveway and i remember like her parents were already outside um i guess they were coming back from somewhere and so i just so happened to be at the right place at the right time I was more so hoping to avoid an awkward situation waking my friend's parents up late at night telling them I just got kicked out. So thankfully they were already outside and I was crying bawling my eyes out. And so of, of of course she knew who I was and she asked me like what was going on if I was okay. And so I just broke down and talked to her and let them know like no I'm not okay. My dad basically just kicked me out and... I don't have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So once that happened, I remember um, she started to call like family and friends who know a little more about like laws because she was just really concerned that maybe my dad would turn around and like call the police and say that I went missing. Um, And you know, that could reflect badly on them. So. Mm I was a minor, of course, and she felt like it was her need to reach out to my dad and let him know, like, hey, I am safe. I'm here. And so I did tell her, like, I personally don't want to send a text to him, but we can just to, you know, tell him to make you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did text my dad that same night um, and to let him know, like, hey, this is Abner. I'm safe. We're good. And so um, my dad had never replied either that night or like the following day. Um, So I kind of just assumed, okay, like I need, you know, we're going back to school tomorrow, it is the Monday. Like I was just gonna continue until I could figure out something. But the next day came around and I remember going to school. Um, I wore Cassandra's jeans, so thank you. Um, I didn't have much clothes with me. And so I had to borrow some. Um, Initially, I had cosmetology from first through third period. And so I remember like I was telling myself, just don't think about it. Go through your day like normal. It's going to be okay. But I just could not like hold it in. Oh, no. And of course, like I understand it was a traumatic experience and I was trying to make it less than what it was, but yeah. I just couldn't. I mean, not. you
0: were just trying to survive. No, I can't. Like, no one can blame you for that.
1: <laughs> and so I did break down in class. And so I had to talk to my teacher. I remember Mr. King is his name and he was an amazing teacher i let him know the situation of and he was kind of already aware of like the makeup stuff beforehand and you know from that point he let me know like because i'm a minor i have to talk to a counselor there and they there's like a legal action that they have to take as well so i kind of already knew this from fifth grade yeah so with that being said I told him like okay I would like to talk to my counselor like I would like to you know I would like to talk to someone so that we can get like CPS involved child protective services so
0: so and at at this point so this is like Monday did you talk to your counselor on Monday or like another day yes
1: this was Monday
0: so and your dad still hasn't like contacted you or try to come get you or anything
1: correct so I'm at school talking to the counselor explaining to them and no my dad has not reached out um at all during this period um I speak to the counselor kind of fill them in on like what I've talked to you guys about my childhood and kind of things that I've already gone through with my family and I, you know, informed her that I didn't have a home at that time, and so she did inform me that it is her legal duty as a person from school to reach out to CPS and inform them that a 16-year-old was just kicked out. Yeah. So I remember, like, I went through the rest of the day. I went back to, you know, my high school from the cosmetology building, and we went ahead and just I talked to my other counselor, Ms. Johnson. She was also really great. She talked to me and I explained to her the situation as well. She let me know that the first counselor I spoke to, um, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but she did tell me that she was taking the case. So she more so just wanted to make sure I was okay. And then I went home with Cassandra and basically like Monday, Tuesday, I want to say like, I just was going to to school and like wearing Cassandra's clothing, sleeping at her parents' house. And I want to say Tuesday, maybe that next day, um, I guess at some point maybe Cassandra's parents talked to my dad and my dad ended up coming over to Cassandra's house that Tuesday night or evening and um, I remember I guess her dad talked to my dad first for a few hours and then he came inside to let me know that my dad was there and that he wanted to talk to me. Um, At first I was hesitant to talk to him, but you know, it's something that I had to do. Um, So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll go out there and speak to him. And the first thing that he told me was let's go home
0: do you think it's because he wanted you to go home
1: honestly no and once we started to talk so i told him like no i don't want to go home with you what do you want like i wanted to have a conversation that's what i wanted to do and that's when he explained to me that because of me speaking to my counselor the previous day um cps child protective services was now involved and so they were going to come to the house i want to say that wednesday so the next day they were going to come and i needed to be present so that i could speak to them and so that they can speak to all of us and i mean like my dad my family and so
0: on yeah wow i mean that's so rough um You're just so strong. Like, I can't say that enough. Um, Okay, so, like, that happens, and um, what happens after? Like, do you move back home?
1: So, I was very hesitant, again. Like, the main thing I was concerned was that maybe if I did go home with him, um, again, this was junior year. The last time that he had physically whooped me was freshman year in regards to skinny jeans. Um, so I did fear for my life. I was scared that if I went home with him that maybe something would happen to me that maybe like, you know, he was more so like upset, but just didn't want to like do something at my friend's house. So he was just trying to get me to go home with him. So I basically, Discussed with him my terms and conditions of coming home, and of course he agreed because CPS was going to come the next day. Yeah. But those terms, um, to summarize, I wanted my makeup back or money to reimburse yeah. for what I had spent towards that. Um, I did even mention I wanted to be emancipated from him so that I could, you know, be in independent child and do what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to go. Um, He did tell me that that was ridiculous and that it wasn't an option for us, um, which is fine. And then I went home with him after all, you know, those were some of the terms that I had for him. And I just told him, like, you've already mentioned this to me before, but I already knew that when I turned 18, he was going to kick me out
0: so you were just on a timeline then until 18
1: right so as a 16 year old i was just thinking okay what can i do um i need to get a job like i need to start having an income so that i can support myself and leave because i was in a toxic environment and i needed to go
0: wow that's so stressful but okay Let's move on to life after high school, um, past that um, era. Um, and let's move on to where you're at now. I mean, we reconnected, I think after you had already graduated, right? Yes, I think a little no, bit No, 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 because, because I went to your graduation. You went to my graduation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: remember okay. I invited you. Um, and so we had talked. I wanted to say, So I'm like, to fill in the gap a little bit, I eventually, you know, COVID happened my senior year, which was 2020. Mm -hmm. So that was like spring break of that year. Um, I eventually, we went ahead and talked to like my friends. Like it was just such a crazy time for people in school and people with jobs that had to physically be present. And we were now told like, hey, COVID is going on. Things were getting wow. shut down, things were getting closed. So, like, I did not see the rest in my senior year. I did not get a prom. I did not, you know, get to see like my full high school experience like everyone else. So, sadly, those things were taken away. But thanks to COVID and my cousin Carrie, if she's listening, shout out to her. Um, she worked at a wing stop and thankfully she was able to get me a job with her there. Um, so I eventually just like I was 17 at the time I was like, okay, if I'm not going to school, like I need to just work and get my money up. So I did start working at two Up locations, 80 hour work weeks, 40 and 40, oh um, during COVID while I was still senior year, um, just working my butt off, trying to do my assignments as best as I could. Um, during this time, like I was just working, saving. I bought my first phone, I bought my first car. um, And then eventually like my best friend, Angelina, Angie, if you're listening, I love you. um, She reached out to me and basically had an offer, which is that she was going to acting school in North of Dallas and she knew my situation and was aware. So she asked me if I wanted to join, if I wanted to tag along to Dallas. And I said, yes, I didn't know how I was going to do it at the time. I had no prior plans to live in Dallas. I've never even considered it. But once she told me, I was ready. I knew that it was time to get out of Houston and it was time to you know, start over and do this somewhere else and try again. Yeah. So I said yes. And when I turned 18 in August, I had paid towards the apartment. And I remember like towards August end of the month, we moved. So I got all of my belongings that I did have and what I could prepare with. And we moved to North Dallas and we were there um, for the last almost three years. Um, so from that point I did, you know, have a car, have a phone, have a home.
0: She was thriving. (laughs) (laughs) I was
1: able to support myself and I was able to make decisions for myself. And I think that that's important. Of course, maybe like for an 18 year old or 17 year old, it's not something that you should be doing at that age, but
0: it's not ideal, but it's it was between that and staying at home in your situation like i mean not that you could have stayed at home because your dad kicked you out but like (laughs) i mean 100 percent, take dallas i'm sure i mean i know you had to like work your butt off right like to just survive but
1: yes so definitely working and saving up as much as i could once we moved um I was able to start working at a cafe, so that was a great experience. And I just basically built my resume. Um, I did think about going back to school, but you know, at the time I was in survival mode and I just really didn't have a lot of options. Um, So I just focused on my career, building my resume and getting my money up pretty much. And she was in her bag.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about where you're at now. So now you're back in Houston um, and you've decided to start your transition journey. So when did you decide that you wanted to transition?
1: So for me, it definitely is more so about... It was a process. And I'll say that because... I was first a gay male that identified as gay as a male in the eighth grade, seventh grade, roughly up until I want to say after high school for sure, maybe like 2021, 2022, when I was able to express myself however I chose. I could wear whatever clothes, wear whatever makeup, do my hair however I wanted to do it. And I definitely always knew that I had more femininity in me and I like to express that so at first I came out as non-binary at one of my jobs and so I used they them pronouns for about a year and then I want to say it was more like 2022 that I understood that it's more than being both you know the male and female gender as non-binary um I just didn't want the specific label of a male and It wasn't just that it was i wanted to be a woman i wanted to be the person i was always meant to be and so i want to say maybe like may of february sorry may of 2022 Mm -hmm. um i for sure
0: oh so right about a year ago
1: yes (laughs) i'm like so roughly a, a year from this year yeah Um, I came out to my current job and let them know, hey, so I know I told you guys I'm non-binary and I use they, them pronouns, but actually I wanna use she, her pronouns and I wanna be referred to as she, her, hers, and ma'am and just live in my truth.
0: So I know that you recently um, started hormone replacement therapy. Um, What has that been like and What has it taught you about yourself? What have you learned? What has the experience been like? I think it's only been a couple of months, right? Yes. So
1: I am currently in my second month of my hormone replacement therapy, moving towards my third. Um, With hormone replacement therapy, first, I would like to address something because I do want, you know, all of my trans sisters and anyone out there who is considering hormone replacement therapy to understand that it is a personal decision and it is not by any means necessary or a requirement to be trans or you know to live a lifestyle that you desire however you know me personally it is something that I did start as I wanted to make physical changes to my appearance. And of course, the way that I speak, I've always had a higher pitched voice. But, you know, as the days go by, it's getting higher and higher. And typically with hormone therapy, you'll see more results six months in towards a year. Um, So with that being said, there are options with hormone therapy. There is estrogen, which is, you know, the first. And then you also have the option to take testosterone blockers or progesterone is what they call it. Um, So I am on both, uh, but that was my personal decision to make. And I made that decision on my own. Um, So I definitely just want everyone out there at home who may be listening to know that if that's something you're considering, really take it into account. And there are definitely side effects that come with that. Um, for example, for me, I have had, you know, more hair falls out, especially during these beginning stages. But as the time goes by... That hair will regrow and it will be maintained longer, healthier because of the hormones. My nails as your nails are looking great. (laughs)
0: Like I'm so jealous. I I know you guys
1: can't see, but they are like a bright red. And I did that for pride month because I wanted and she didn't have to
0: pay $70 for it.
1: (laughs) like i did do these myself i filed and painted them myself um so if you need your services done remember i'm a cosmetologist and i got you but um back to the hormone therapy so again there's multiple side effects that come into play and so just make sure that you're having those conversations and discussions with your healthcare provider with family and friends that you know you consider your close family members and friends and, you know, have those conversations first before you make a decision and make sure that it's the right decision for you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, okay. So let's move on in, into um, the healing portion of all. Well, actually, before we get to the healing, let's talk about the trauma. Because so, <laughs> you got to have something to heal from, right? Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. Um, Can you touch on like what trauma you have um, after everything that you've survived um, or any like triggers that you currently have that you're trying to heal from or in like process and all that stuff, anything that comes to mind? Definitely.
1: So um, of course being a trans woman, my sisters, the dolls, they know that sometimes we get misgendered and it's okay, but I, I, will never correct someone immediately because unfortunately I just, it boils my blood. And if I say something right away, I just know that it's not going to be in a, in the best way that it could be said. So typically like, that is the trigger I have being misgendered, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's why we're on this journey to begin with. And I have, kind of built some ways that, you know, I, like I mentioned, I just don't say anything right then and there. And instead I will, you know, give it some time. And then once I know that I'm okay to bring it up to that person, then I will. Um, or if it's a stranger, like I will just correct you, I don't care. <laughs> but more so like with people like a coworker or like a classmate, those type of things, like, you know, because it's someone you're gonna see more often, you you kind of just want to ease into it. Um, so with trauma, I'm more so like, like I mentioned, I do have an eating disorder. So I know a lot of the girls deal with that as well. Um, we always want to be skinny. We know right now we're in that vibe and that's currently trending. The Ozempic, the Manjaro, the Wegovy. all the girls are trying to, you know, be super, super skinny nowadays. And um I do my best to eat three times a day, but it's hard sometimes. And I mean, after all I've been through, like I've always told you, I try to keep up with consistency, positivity, and you just have to keep going to every bad day. There's a good day.
0: Wow. Okay, Uh, I love that. So, okay, let's talk about healing. Um, How have you started to heal? Like, are there certain like things that you do you mentioned like uh, to me that you meal prep now to sort of like help heal the the eating disorder but just in general any like self-healing practices are you in therapy anything like that
1: um so currently I'm in the works of finding a therapist it's always kind of hard um you know insurance is a huge thing therapy is not by any means cheap yeah (laughs) but you know that is something that i'm looking to so once i find a therapist that matches you know kind of what i need and I will definitely get that. But as of now, I'm more so just, you know, self-help, read books, read like the news articles and stuff that are relating to mental health. And that's a huge crisis in our society, especially after COVID, being locked in your home for such a long time, having so many restrictions. We basically lost our mind during that time as well. So like right now, everyone's really into like, journaling and, you know, doing things that make them feel better, which for me, like having a routine is again, a huge part. Like you mentioned meal prepping is something that I do now. Um, and it's more so because I used to just eat once a meal a day, one meal a day, but now I do eat, you know, three meals a day and I have my snacks in between to help because if I don't have something prepped then I know I'm not going to do it. So I guess with healing, it's that prepping in terms of like okay listening to podcasts in the morning on my way to work you know it is a a long drive or coming home at the end of the day winding down taking my makeup off listening to music and just you know
0: setting yourself up for success basically
1: yes i agree i agree (laughs) Um,
0: okay um i do want to talk a little bit more about some heavy duty stuff because Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that in most southern states and great old Texas, they are trying to do away with basic human rights when it comes to the LGBTQ community. So so I wanted to talk about that because obviously that's a very relevant topic right now. Um, Can you tell us about what's going on and how that like has potentially a devastating effect, not just on the community, but like on all other minorities.
1: A hundred percent. So of course we know that this all started with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And, you know, the amount of human rights that were affected due to this, you know, situation that we're currently living in, like it is, illegal for certain women to get the health care that they need and that was just the beginning this is just the first steps that they're moving towards and currently as we know we're in the state of texas so here you know we have the sb 14 bill that was recently passed um and basically it is limiting the rights of you know Overestimated 30,000 trans kids in the state of Texas are being affected by this bill. And so what it's doing is the, the governor is, you know, suggesting that it should be illegal for children to get the gender affirming care that they need um, and that they shouldn't get that care until they're 18 or older. So this is including, but not limited to, hormone replacement therapy. You know, talking to your healthcare provider about your sexuality or anything relating to, you know, gender. Um, those type of situations are important to discuss, especially at an early age, as I mentioned in my personal story. I didn't really have someone to discuss this with, so I more so had to figure it out on my own. And I just hate that those children are not going to have that opportunity. Um, Again, those kids do go through different evaluations and clearances with different medical providers, whether it's a psychiatrist, a therapist, before they do any, like, major procedures, like hormone therapy or FFS, which is facial feminization surgery, sexual reassignment surgery, all of these procedures have standards in place.
0: As it stands right
1: now. As it has always been, you know, before this bill. But now, what, you know, we're suggesting is that kids can wean off the medication and you know that's something doctors do not recommend especially like I mentioned once you're in that six months a year or more you know these are irreversible changes that you're making to your body when it comes to medication and surgeries of course but um, it is dangerous and it is going to create you know a downfall for these kids and I just hate that we're setting them up for failure
0: yeah and I know that we were talking about this before recording at first glance um at the risk of sounding sounding very dense and uneducated um when I f- when you first told me about this bill I was like okay well what's wrong with raising the age limit to 18 like that seems reasonable you know like when this person's able to make decisions for themselves but then you told me how and you taught me how there's there's already guidelines in place. And now I see, like, okay, well, what's the problem? <laughs> like, there is no problem. Like, the if the kid wants to do it, like, at a younger age, they you told me, like, the parent currently has to consent, right? Like, if they're under 18.
1: Correct. So because children at a younger age are considered a minor, they're not able to simply walk into, like, doctor's office and say like hey i want to start therapy and you know like i want to set up you know surgery for like two weeks from now like it's not an immediate process at all by any means and there are certain tests that need to be run in order for you to qualify for certain medications procedures you know like i said you have to make the right decision for you and that does include you know your healthcare providers say yeah
0: i want to talk about another topic and i bring it up because i saw a tiktok about it and it made me just really think so i know we've already discussed it but um i just want to address it in case like somebody else is like wondering the same thing or has mixed emotions about it um i know that there's some cis women who feel that by what they would say like trans women are trying to push is or and like their agenda and stuff like that i hate using that term but like trans women they feel like trans women are pushing an agenda that's invalidating cis women's progress in society and um making less of of you know their efforts and like how far they've gotten um, what is your take on that like what would you say to someone who makes that argument
1: of course so um like i told you before we started recording i definitely personally would like to say that i don't think it's a competition between cis women and trans women at the end of the day um like i told you men hate the both of us um yeah. so we are living but in the, the world- patriarchy. <laughs> um we are living in a world where you know i'll use the example of trans women in sports because you know that relates to this issue and you know it's been a moment and i know that cis women fought really hard to be included in you know these spaces and to make way for others to do the same um however cis women participate sorry trans women participating alongside cis women in said sports you know there's the talk about like it's unfair or there are certain like advantages that you know like a trans woman may have and the disadvantages cis woman may have in comparison but the truth is just like there is for you know the children there are for adults certain. Just like guidelines that you know you're required to meet before you're able to participate Um, if